Hello, my follower listeners. Uh, it's been a long time I have done a podcast. Uh, let me start by saying there is sad news right now for those who love the Queen. Uh, we all know that Prince Philip has uh, passed away. Uh, and so, you know, as a, as a military man, uh, going to Sandos uh, military school uh, before creating my own army, you know, it would be disrespectful for me not to acknowledge the death of the Duke of uh, Edinburgh. Uh, stand up and salute. Uh, so stand up and salute. <laughs> uh, mixed views, but you know, he, he, you know, he was a great man. He was a great man. But uh, with no further ado, I am going back to my days at secondary school. You know, one of the things I wanted to do in terms of this podcast is to make contact with people that I went to school with, you know, from all walks of life. And I want to introduce you to someone who didn't know I was going to end up becoming a military man. Uh, I went to one of the best secondary schools in Nigeria. Uh, the best way to describe it is uh, almost saying that it was the Eton of England, yeah? Uh, produced the likes of Professor Shoyenka uh, Chinua Achebe you know, very, very important people. And some of these people I mentioned because they, uh, you know, were very influential, not just outside Nigeria, but you know them within the Western world. I went to a school called Government College Ibadan and uh, I'm part of the Old Boys Association, even though I feel guilty because of comedy, I've not been able to, you know, go to those meetings regularly. But I want to introduce you to one of many of my friends. We went to secondary school together his name is Olumide Ayoola. Uh, I know some of you might not be able to pronounce that name properly. I will repeat it again. He's one of these Nigerians who hasn't got any English name. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe because he wasn't born in the UK. Who knows? Maybe he's an illegal immigrant. But he's Olumide Ayoola. He's a pilot uh, and he's based in the United Kingdom. And I feel really privileged and honored because he's been traveling and he's just recently returned. And I told him, you have to come onto my podcast. Let's catch up. Let's find out. Because I never knew he was going to end up being a pilot. And I'm sure he never knew that I was going to end up being a military man. So it's really interesting how life takes us in funny directions. And I have to say to you, my secondary school, Government College Ibadan, was more, and he might correct me, I believe was more science orientated rather than arts orientated. Most people wanted to be doctors or lawyers, even though we had the likes of Professor Shoyinka and uh, Chinua Achebe who focused on literature. But most people, genuinely, it was more of a science orientated. And I think maybe that is why I have ended up like this because I wasn't into science. I was more into arts, <laughs> more into comedy. <laughs> so Olumide, how are you? It's been a long time. How's that things? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. It's uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, I've been uh, keeping uh, keeping in touch with you indirectly from uh, your Facebook posts and Twitter posts and and the odd occasion when you drop into our old boys uh, forum. Yes, I, I must I must start by congratulating you because when we talk about fellowship, you are a great leader. You pull people together. I mean one of the things you've done successfully. And I always feel guilty because I, I can't seem to keep up. It's the pandemic actually that stopped me from, <laughs> that made me realize yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just put a stop Conven to everything. Convenient, convenient excuse. Huh? 
<laughs> it's a pandemic, but you, I must commend you because you, you the way you've, because uh, you were part of, part of uh, the, the, I almost say the founding founders of, of the What's Up group. You know, you created that yeah. group uh, and, and yeah. I can see the benefits of it in terms of fellowship and just being in touch and reminiscing in terms of the GCI days, even though as I must have set in, I can't remember everybody that, <laughs> that went to secondary school, but it's good. And we celebrate birthdays and, you know, great, great fellowship. So even though I don't uh, respond all the time, I, I, I read those messages. But yeah. let's talk about you and your life. And before I say that, I, I, I feel really, uh, I feel offended. Let me tell you, look at your bookcase. You don't even have any poster of me. You know, President of Bonjo, nothing <laughs> at all. It's just empty with books. They're, they're all in the living room. Oh. I might show you later. My, there are photos of me in the living room. Yeah, there's a full, uh, full life portrait of you. Ah, excellent, because that's what I want in every house in the United Kingdom. Actually, that's my mission. Every home in the UK, every must home around one. the world must have a picture of me. Okay. That, that is the <laughs> beginning. So you later on, you're going to take me to that living room. I want to see it, but I'm interested. Ah. Uh, yes, I am definitely interested. <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> I want to. See, what What are your books? What What do you read? Um, there's everything. I think there's uh, uh, there's books from university days. There's yeah. uh, books uh, for my kids, and obviously there's books about flying. Okay. Okay. Um, and then we have novels and uh, it's a bit of everything. It's okay. a bit of everything. So you are, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you here is you're a pilot. Yeah. yeah? And, uh, you know, I, I, I always have this, I have this dream, I, you know, that I also have a plane, you know, Air Force One or Bondo <laughs> Airlines. You know, I, yeah. it's, I've never ever made it real. You know, I've never ever been able to make it real. Why? Yeah pilot as a profession, at what point did you realize that that's what you were going to do? Uh, well, I actually realized, I think I was about five, age five or age six. Um, it was actually a very first uh, family trip abroad from Nigeria. Um, and uh, we, we flew from the old uh, Lagos airport to London, but via Amsterdam on Cape. No, I'm sorry, I, let me correct that. It was our first uh, family trip abroad by plane because a couple of years earlier we'd been uh, on a ship uh, that took about two weeks to get from, uh, from Lagos to, to England and uh, another two weeks to get back. Um, so we ended up only staying in England for about two weeks that thing. So my parents decided, all right, next time we're going to fly because that's uh, that's faster. So obviously all the kids were very excited, myself, my brother and my little sister. Um, I don't think we slept the night before the trip. You know, wow. we stayed there. We, we, as you know, we live in Ibanon. So mm -hmm. we, we drove up to Lagos the day before and stayed in the airport hotel in, in Lagos. Um, and funnily enough, the airline crews also stayed in that same hotel. So the evening before, they'd seen us in the lobby checking in, or maybe in the restaurant having dinner or something. So the next day on the flight, during the flight, uh, one of the air hostesses recognized me and said, hey, little boy, do you want to you see the cockpit? 
Wow. I was like, oh yeah, okay, let's go. You know, so she took me into the cockpit and I walked into this cockpit and I saw all these buttons and all these lights and, you know, and the, and the clouds and, and I thought, yeah, this, this is what I want to be. You know, I want to, I want to be a pilot. So when I went back to my seat, I told my parents uh, immediately, when I grow up, I want to be a pilot. And you, you know, the typical Niger parents, uh, my dad was like, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's going to change his mind. Let's just indulge him, you know. Mm -hmm. And and it stayed that way as the years went by. Uh, all, when we were in GCI, um, I already knew I wanted to be a pilot. Wow. I've done, I've done quite a bit of uh, research already. <clears throat> and I didn't even want to go to university, you know. I thought I'll do all levels and then straight to, to flying school. Uh, and in the beginning, my dad was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. But as we got closer to, to leaving school, he, he started freaking out, thinking, but this guy's serious, <laughs> you know, he, he really doesn't want to study anymore, he wants to go, go flying. Um, so then I began to get a bit of uh, pushback, you know, from them saying, ah, no, it's, still, it's too young to start flying now, why don't you go and do, study something else? And if flying doesn't work out, you'll have something to fall back on to, blah, blah. But the, the, the big push was in GCI, there was a small group of us that were all wanted to be, to be pilots, you know, and we were quite nerdy about it, we collecting brochures and flying magazines. And mm. uh, uh, in the break time, you'd find us all looking mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. magazines and, mm -hmm. and getting, uh, so we kind of encouraged each other, you know, and uh, from there it grew. So, uh, cut a long story short, they convinced me to 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 go to university, study something, at least as a as a sort of basis before mm -hmm. going flying. Um, so I studied engineering, which are the books mm -hmm. you you <laughs> you noticed mm -hmm. uh, up there. But all the time while I was in university, that was still in my mind that th this is my dream, you know. Uh, I finished university and then tried to get into the, the flying. Uh, but it turned out that I had bad eyesight and my eyesight was not good enough uh, to, to become a pilot. So that was the sort of end of the dream. And that's about the time uh, you and I reconnected around Bethnal Green. You remember mm -hmm, when I lived mm -hmm, mm -hmm, when I lived in Bethnal Green? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and we actually used to see you quite often. Yeah, yeah Before yeah, you yeah. became before you became <laughs> president of Bonjo. I think you were a sergeant then, Avi. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just a civilian. I was just a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so at that time the, the, the dream had kind of died which is why you also probably didn't know about it, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I didn't talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. or, uh, so, and then it turned out that my parents had been wise to say, study something else, you know? So I ended up working as an engineer mm -hmm. uh, for different companies, mm -hmm. but, but eventually I ended up at uh, London on the ground on the Jubilee Line Extension Project mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, as an engineer. Um, and at that time, two things happened, two critical things happened. Uh, one was they invented laser 
surgery for for eyesight correction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is that it turned out that London Underground uh, is actually part of the civil service. Okay. And the civil service had a social club that included a flying club. Mm-hmm. So members could could just go and fly leisure in a small propeller mm-hmm. uh, aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two things kind of rekindled the dream. You know? Wow. Um, I signed up straight away for the laser correction, and then and I joined the the flying club as well. So I started going flying at weekends, just leisure flying, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, fly from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was one of the meetings, one of the GCI all mm-hmm. boys meetings. Mm-hmm. Were you there in Newcastle? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah where, where I ended up coming in a little, yeah. <laughs> in a little uh, plane. plane. Yeah, uh, yeah, and at one of at, at that point, I was thinking I'm a little bit too too old now. I was uh, thinking mm. 27, mm. and generally, uh, most pilots start between 21 and 25. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, I'll just do this for leisure and mm. not uh, not think about it as a career until one day, uh, somebody else from the flying club yeah. uh, persuaded me to take a day off work. Uh, so we could fly to France because mm-hmm. he wanted to buy duty-free wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think he had a party coming up. So it was, uh, so me and him uh, got in this small plane. We took off. It was a very cloudy day. Mm-hmm. And then as we took off and climbed above the clouds, the guy turned to me and said, uh, doesn't this be working for a living? You know? <laughs> and those words just stayed in my head. Like, yeah, this this is it, you know? Uh, this is work that doesn't feel like work. Mm. So from that point, I, I got back into the, I got the mojo back mm-hmm. and uh, and followed the, followed up the dream. It's, it's quite a long story, but I yeah, won't yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is a fascinating story on so many counts on the basis that you, you, the, the, you, you found out you, you wanted to you flying at the age of Five, is that correct? Five or six, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just really interesting how, and also the issues around your parents not wanting to, you to do that. And that is more of a generation thing because I can identify with that go. because at the That's age it. of five, similar, yeah. I want, I knew I wanted to, I knew I was an alawada. I wanted to do comedy. Oh, I really? Yeah. 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 I yeah. knew. I, it was, it was in my DNA. There was nothing you could tell yeah. me. And I remember my late father used to tell me in those days, ah, I remember when I was driving from Lagos to Akure, and he used to say, oh, one of the reasons, Timuan like Lachi, I always want you to be with me is because you are so funny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah. But they didn't yeah. let me. They won't let, they did, never exactly. ever supported me. But that was my, I, I know what you're talking about because it's like a pain, yeah. like a pain that doesn't heal until you yeah. actually satisfy that need exactly. you, you don't exactly. feel complete you never no. ever feel complete yeah you you are absolutely right and that's a that's a typical and I, I think it's different now or at least i hope it's different but at that time if you remember uh all parents wanted their kids to be engineers yeah or, or lawyers yeah. or, or doctors yeah you know they they uh, it, it was such a, a tunnel focused uh expectation that they couldn't really look uh beyond that and say oh okay um funnily enough at the time i said i wanted to be a pilot 
and my brother, my younger brother, said he wanted to be a fireman. So you can imagine. <laughs> the father was my, my dad was like, ah, oh, what kind of children are these? <laughs> my father, my father was a civil engineer. He went to government college in Badam. The first uh, son is an architect. The second one is a town planner. The third one, late uh, sister BC, she's a, she was a doctor. So can you imagine? I want yeah. to do comedy in in the exactly in bulletin bubble. We allow it, babasala, babasala. You see, yeah, I think sure. I, go on. They'll be thinking, ah, you're going to bring the family name down. Oh, you know? it wasn't even bringing but, the family well, name. They thought they genuinely thought by taking me to GCI that I'll end up becoming a civil engineer. And I can confidently yeah, okay. tell you, I can confidently tell you. Yes, I enjoyed my time at GCI, but I just didn't feel, I felt misplaced. Do you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah. to be in the arts, in an art school, you know, where I can yeah. express Performing myself. arts. School, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So those days in GCI was just mixed, you know, yeah, was just yeah. really, really mixed. And there were, yeah, moments, yeah. there were moments of happiness and there were moments of sadness because I just felt I wasn't in control. I'd been forced to go to this secondary school. Yeah. That's why I started by yeah. saying scientists, you know, doctors, you know, even all the people yeah. that I, yeah, most of the GCI boys yeah. now, they're doctors or, or um, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, so I just thought, nah, this is, this, this is not the way, but you're right. Yeah. In terms of, um, in terms of what's happening now, certainly for me, I let the children decide, you know, what they, because that is really, really important because that's what defines yeah. their happiness. That's what yeah, defined their that, happiness for the rest of their life. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine back then, if if, if a child said to their parents, yeah, I want to be a footballer, you know, yes. can you imagine Can you imagine <laughs> what the reaction would have been then? <laughs> but now, now, if a child says, I want to be a footballer, ah. yeah, 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 go on, go on, so on, you know, because it's not all about degrees and... Yeah qualifications you know mm -hmm. that you can you can you can make a living mm -hmm. uh from what is essentially a hobby it's just whatever you're good at you know oh, that's yeah that. my question for you is so when you made that decision to become a pilot and you were already a grown-up man how did your yeah. parents react do you know i didn't tell them until i got my first job really yeah i didn't, I didn't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a funny story. Like, but it's, uh, it's becoming a pilot is very expensive. You mm -hmm. know, it's um, uh, it, it costs about a hundred thousand pounds. Really? Right? Yeah. So I felt I actually felt after I'd been through university as a as a private uh, overseas student. Mm -hmm you know, paying increased fees, no grants, mm -hmm. nothing fully sponsored by my friends. Mm -hmm. um, after university, I felt a bit guilty to to go back and say, okay, guys, now you have to pay 100,000 for flying school, knowing mm -hmm. also that my brother and sister were yeah. in university. And mm -hmm. um, and I said, the dream, the dream had kind of died at the time. So I just concentrated on, on, on being a, a, an engineer. Mm -hmm. and um, uh, flying whenever I could. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily, 
um, when we when I when I used to see you regularly, mm -hmm. I lived in Bethnal Green. Yeah. The reason you stop seeing me regularly is because I moved from Bethnal Green. I bought my first apartment, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that was in uh, Acton Town. Okay. It was a, a small two-bedroom apartment, mm -hmm. you know, that I mm -hmm. really couldn't afford at the time, but I stretched myself to yeah, get yeah. the mortgage and everything. Yeah. Um, and in the time between buying the apartment and uh, deciding I was going to uh, leave my job and go and, go and do the flying full time, uh, the apartment value had more than doubled. Wow. Uh, so in, in going to the flying school, I sold the apartment, paid the mortgage off and had enough left over okay. to pay for the, the, to pay the flying school. Wow. Uh, so, so I didn't need to to involve my parents at all in, in, in paying for it. Okay. So I just I just uh, did that and gave them some reason for selling the apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, moved to Oxford where the flying school was. Wow. I, I was there for uh, two years and then I finished at Oxford. Uh, it was uh, just before 9-11. I think it was two or three years before 9-11, so there, there was already a recession starting. I can't remember now, I think maybe SARS or, mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. There was anyway, some kind of financial dip, <clears throat> which meant that it was difficult to get a job straight away. Yeah. So I finished the flying uh, course and then came back and worked for a few months as an engineer, as a contractor, you know, uh, so your parents, your, your parents were right. Something you could fall back on. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I have to give them that. They might, you know, force. Uh, that was very good advice. Because yeah. at the same time, at that same time, the guy, my 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 classmates in in the flying school, were working at places like Tesco, mm. uh, McDonald's. You know. Mm on minimum minimum wage mm. but i went back as an engineering contractor mm. on quite a quite a good uh, salary mm. you know um so that that kept me kept me going at mm. the time i moved in with my brother in the meantime mm. uh in east london mm. uh, and kept waiting for the airline to call me up you mm. know so uh it took about nine months i think before the call and then the call came um and the airline I was signed up to in the flying school, uh, it was KLM, the, mm -hmm. the Dutch airline, mm -hmm. which also happened to be the airline we traveled on, on that very first flight. Oh yeah, okay. Where I decided I wanted to become a pilot. Wow. So, so when I got the call from KLM saying, okay, you can start uh, uh, on the, I think it was 2nd of April or something. Mm -hmm. uh, a few days before, you know, I, I, I really had to pinch myself and think, well, I was sitting in an office working as an engineer and all the time I was thinking, man, from next week, I'm going to be a pilot. Wow. You know, that's the, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that was the moment of reality, you know, uh, up to that point, it had all been an aspiration, a mm -hmm, dream, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but this was it, you know, I'm thinking, man, no more desk, no more chair. I'm going to be, it's mm -hmm. going to, be a completely mm. different mm. lifestyle and i thought oh and just in case you know something it's, it's a more dangerous job i better tell them now you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. uh, 
So I uh, I called up my dad and I told him, yeah, I'm, I'm starting a new job uh, next week. And then he said, As what, uh, where, you know, what, what are you going to I said, yeah, I'm going to be a pilot, you know. Um, I was expecting a, a very negative uh, reaction when I said to him, uh, and he said, oh, wow, man, you, you, you did it. You know, <laughs> this is something you've been talking about since you were five. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you've done it. And he was very happy and very proud. And, mm. um, and he started asking me all sorts of questions about planes, about turbulence. And, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and, then, I, and then he said, OK, so is it British Airways or Virgin or who? And I said, oh, it's uh, KLM. And he went, oh, that's the airline we were on family, you know. That I, and from that point on, he became very, very proud. You know, he used to mm. go around telling everybody. Sorry, the pilot. Sorry, the pilot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a pilot for KLM, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, the reaction after I'd done it was, was, was fine. Um, I'm not sure it would have been the same if I'd gone back to him and said, oh, yeah, daddy, can you pay for, yeah, 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 <laughs> for, yeah. for the flying school? Right and, and, yeah. You know, fascinating but, story. Fascinating story. I'm really, I'm really proud. I'm really proud, uh, proud of what you've achieved. Um, likewise, you. I mean, you have to tell me your own story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, I remember, I remember this laugh from GCI. Yeah, go on. Yeah. And and I also remember that you you were always uh, laughing and joking. Yes. Because we were in the same house. We yes, yes, house. we were in the same house. Remember? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, the, yeah, one of the things I do remember was uh, I was very playful at GCI. I just genuinely was very playful. Uh, even when I wasn't at GCI, people would invite me to parties and say, oh, well, Bonjo, we want you there. You know, ah, why, 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 ah, because I would always be the soul. I was playful, yeah. really, really yeah, playful. Yeah. But I, I didn't I didn't plan, I never, ever planned to be a comedian because I always saw myself as a naturally funny person you know what i'm saying just naturally yeah. funny just tell whatever i need to say do the narrative and people will laugh until and i had no idea i was going to do this until i arrived in england and then i saw um someone called felix dexter yeah i know you know because because my parents had really imposed that fear that look allow that it's not it's not happening so just like you the dream just died just literally died until i saw felix dexter at uh, hackney empire and, and Felix Dexter, he had this character of like a Nigerian. And I just, ah, this thing is easy. I can do this. I can. I had no idea that to limit that there was a technique to it. I just thought you just go there and you talk. <laughs> uh, but I, I wasn't brave enough, just like you. I still wasn't brave enough to take it up. I was watching comedy shows. Then uh, in the late, probably in the late, late 90s. So it was like 10 years after. I went to someone's wedding and when I went to someone's wedding, it was a Nigerian wedding and the MC, you know, Nigerians now, we love to have MCs to host, you know, and, mm. and the MC didn't show up. And this guy came to me and said, ah, Oga, I know you can do this. I know you never, you can, I know your people always want to be around you. Can you just MC this? And I just went there, Olumide, just naturally just doing my thing, 300 people. And people were screaming, oh, who is this MC? You know, I was just being myself. I didn't even know I was doing MC. I was interacting, banter. I would comment about the way people were dressed and where they're from, where they bought their shoes from, not knowing that they were enjoying the, the performance. Yeah. 
And there was this English guy who saw me. And then he said, please, who are you? Because I've been to so many Nigerian weddings and the MCs are not. And you know, you know, we just say now, you know, we speak with, you know, eloquence. You know, it was obvious, yeah. educated, but also funny. Um, and he said, have you ever tried stand-up comedy? I said, what's stand-up comedy? What, what, what is stand-up comedy? Because when we were growing up in Nigeria, I don't know about you, I never knew about that. The, the people I remember who were funny was Baba Salah, yeah, yeah, master. I never knew about yeah. Richard Pryor. I never knew about oh, all these oh, other oh. comics in those days because we weren't exposed to uh, stand-up comedy, comedy per se. It was either yeah. music, you know, it was never ever comedy. Yeah. Um, and then he took me to a place called the Comedy Store, and I went into the Comedy Store. And when I arrived at the Comedy Store, it happened to be a night when they asked people to come on stage and perform. So they said, did anyone want to come on stage and perform? The guy just said, go, go, go. It was a Monday night. I went there. I did five minutes. People were laughing. And yeah. more, I didn't plan anything. I just went there and I just said something. And people were laughing. Yeah. I said, yes, I am a comedian. I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens is when you go to places like that, there are comedy promoters who are there. And so they will give you their numbers and say, ah, uh, President Obonjo, come on over, come on over, come on over. In the meantime, Obonjo is a nickname that a friend, a late friend of mine gave me, uh, Abe, you might know him, Abe Fatuga, and uh, he died. Oh, yeah. yeah, I went to school with Abe. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's so how you know. And he, I, I stayed with Abe when I came to London. And Actually, Abe- That's when, that's yeah, when yeah, I was that, in Bethnal Green. Yeah, yeah, you're in Bethnal Green and, and I was in Poplar. Like me. Yeah, for, oh, okay. for Poplar. And Abe saw what I didn't see in me. When I say saw, I knew I always had it, but if the dream had died. But he always said to me, Obonjo, which he gave me as a nickname, you are wasted. You should be a public speaker. You should be, you, you are too funny. Don't put this to waste. Do something about it. Do you know, it was only when he died that I realized that um, he knew what he was talking about. And because of yeah. him, I wanted, because he was a very close friend, you know, apart from just being a close friend, he was part of the family because his younger brother at the time married my sister. So, I just picked up, went to this comedy store thing, and I said, ah, I've got to leave this dream for Abe because Abe saw me as a comedian. Yeah. And that's how I started. And I went to some clubs and I would die. Die means you're not doing very well because yeah. I'm not prepared. I just go there and I wouldn't know what I'm saying. I would do some jokes, it wouldn't work. But eventually I got better because I realized that there was a technique. However, I performed as a civilian president. And then eventually Obama came into the scene. And then when Obama came into the scene, yeah, yes, we can, yes, we can. And then four years later, you know, the Republicans were giving him a lot of problems. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I said to myself, what would, what would Obama do if he was an African president? He would become an African dictator. Reform, <laughs> suspend so constitution, tell the Republicans to go and fuck off, you know, and so on and so forth. So I was driving past a place in Stevenage and it was an old military uniform. They sell military uniforms. All right. And yeah. I just wore this military uniform and I felt, I felt powerful. Only day. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like, a real, I felt like, like incredible hawk. So I went yeah. back to the, I went back to the comedy store and I went on stage, come and see people clapping. And you see this thing about comedy. I'm not sure if it's the same with uh, flying. It's very, very addictive. Very, very addictive, you know? It, it, I just got consumed in it. And then I started gaining fans, people call me my president. And, you know, I know I might be deluded, but that's how, <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's how we started. But it was a dream, very similar to yeah, you. Yeah. It was a dream. 
I can confidently say you say to you that I am much happier that I have actually done this than not doing it yeah. at all. You know, yeah. there are some people who are stuck in the wrong professions for the uh, rest exactly. of and they are unhappy because yeah. I have a friend who wanted to play football. He keeps talking about it, even though he's 50 something. They are there because he never, ever was able to do what he really wanted to do. Yeah, um, uh, definitely, and probably at the we I think we made the move about about a similar age, mm -hmm. you know, late twenties, early thirties, mm -hmm. uh, which comes with a lot of risk, you know. No, 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 no. The risk, uh, the risk, no, the risk, the risk. I, I, I generally don't know. I remember when I first introduced myself to the GCI WhatsApp group. I know some people just probably thought, ah, it is Yaweri, or you know, there's some mental health breakdown happening somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But actually, if you can identify with the fact that you have a dream, you know, and you want to explore that dream, no matter what the risks are, you will understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I understand it. But you can't you can't uh, avoid the fact that it was a risk, you know, because you're going from something that's uh, pretty established. In mm. my case, I, mm. I was an engineer. I could have. Mm stayed as an engineer and, mm -hmm. and risen up the mm -hmm. ranks in the company mm -hmm. with the ever increasing salary mm -hmm. and you're 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 putting all that on the line mm -hmm. to chase a dream mm -hmm. you know uh there's not many people would do that mm -hmm. you know and and it, uh, certainly in my case there were a lot of people that that on the face of it they were like oh you want to be a pilot oh nice but I'm sure behind my back they were saying this guy is crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, why, why, you know, why give up all this mm. to go and chase a dream uh, mm -hmm. way where there's no no guarantee of of success, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was risky, and I, I I think a lot of people were put off by the risk, mm. you know, because uh, I I know quite a few people who just to get into university in nigeria you know you sign up for any course mm, mm, um mm. Uh, a greek mm. <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> yeah just just to get into university yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know? yeah if you couldn't make the cutoff mark for medicine or engineering you'd you'd, you'd take mm. a greek mm. just to get into university mm. and then you finish university and you have a degree in a greek you know <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, uh, but you don't have a farm, or you don't have any, you know. So then you, uh, I, I know quite a few people who have ended up doing what they're doing, mm -hmm. uh, not by design, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just by by sequence, you know. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they look, look, uh, my brother, look at the comedy scene in in Nigeria now. Look at how big it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look at how big it know? is. Huh? It's, booming. How, it's booming. It's booming yeah. to the extent they're coming out of the country going traveling all over europe traveling everywhere and when you mix it with the afrobeat hello yeah exactly you know um uh, uh, i know you had the delay delay on yeah. uh, on one of your previous uh, yeah, yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah. but that's you know that's entertainment and mm. and show business and comedy mm. and and to a certain extent theater and performing arts and now all all kind of yeah yeah in, in, mm. uh, yeah there's there's comedians mm. just like you uh, when is when is president obonjo gonna release his first uh his first record because now i see comedians 
also uh, yes. releasing, <laughs> releasing uh, records yeah. and acting in movies, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I even think that to, to describe yourself as a comedian is becoming a little bit uh, old-fashioned now. Yeah, it's more of an entertainer, more of an entertainer. Yeah, yeah, you're a performer, you're an all-rounder, you know, mm -hmm. so... But let's go so, back to, let's go back to the, let's go back to the flying. So okay. what is your, yeah. what what is your, uh, how often do you fly and, and what are the challenges because you're you're a married man with children, so yeah, what, yeah. How how often do you fly? Uh, at the moment, it's um, about three times a month. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, because uh, I fly uh, long haul, so that's okay. uh, intercontinental worldwide. Okay. Um, and the way it works, uh, depending where you've been, mm -hmm. how many time zones you've crossed. Yeah. And, and how many days you were wherever you've been, mm -hmm. uh, that determines how many days you're off when you get back home. Wow. Right? So it's, it's, um, it's, it's a kind of a, uh, there's, there's a field called aeromedical uh, studies. Okay. Um, and that, that studies how your body reacts to, to time zone changes. Okay. And there's a thing called the biorhythm. Wow. Know? Uh, your your body is used to you going to bed at ten o'clock each night. You know, yes, yeah. Uh, the day you go to bed at four a.m., yeah, your body is still going to try to wake you up. At mm -hmm. the same time, you'd have woken up if mm -hmm. you'd gone to bed mm -hmm. at ten. So the, those kind of things you need you need time to recover from that. So okay, uh, because I fly ultra long haul, mm -hmm. um, I just came back from Japan. Uh, now, which is a, a eight-hour time difference with the UK. Mm. So, if you imagine, uh, two days ago, I was going to bed at one p.m. Uh, London time. Okay. You know, and, mm. and then getting up at eleven p.m. on the same day mm. to to work. Um, so, because of that, I have ten days off now after okay. that. Okay. After that flight. Um, but that's not, it's not like that for everybody. The, mm. the people who fly uh, shorter flights, for example, domestic, mm -hmm. which uh, in Europe, domestic pretty much means within Europe, mm -hmm. not, not within England. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, they would fly four or five days a week. You know, and, and in each day, they do maybe two, three or four short flights one okay. hour flights two hour flights um but i do one 12 hour flight mm -hmm. stay there one or two nights and then another 12 hour flight back and then i'm off for mm -hmm. about 10 days so it, it it varies if i fly to lagos for example that's a short flight for us that's the shortest flight i do six hours uh stay one night in lagos six hours back then i'm only off for three days wow wow so it i, I Gone. Yeah, so I can't give you a, a fixed pattern, okay. but okay. that's okay. that's the shortest, and Japan was one of the longest. So it's it's, so. it's really interesting. So so you know what I I didn't consider and I should have thought about it is that even if you as a passenger, if you go on a long flight, you suffer from jet lag, don't you? You yeah. So that that happens to you to you guys, where it's even more complex than that. Yeah, it's it's more complex than that, uh, but we from experience you learn to manage it okay you know okay. and they uh, there's no one 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 cure fits all mm -hmm. um personally 
I try to keep to the time zone at home. Okay. okay. Uh, so I leave my watch mm-hmm. on UK time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bizarrely, I, I would think, oh man, I have to go to bed and it's 1 p.m. <laughs> in, in, the, in the afternoon, uh, but it's already 10 p.m. over mm-hmm. there. You know? mm-hmm. um, but by doing that, that reduces the effect of the jet lag mm-hmm. when I get back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have colleagues who, who, who switch their watches as soon as we land onto mm-hmm. local time, you mm-hmm. know, and then they stay awake until 10 p.m. local time or, or whatever the local time is. So what um, what's, but, what's, it, what's it like flying the plane with so many people in on it? Do you feel any sense of responsibility or, it, or is it just fun, even though it's a career? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a it's a hobby. I, I tell people, and we we often talking to other pilots. You know, mm-hmm. um, we 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 say, man, if if only the company realized that we would do this for free. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they they, they give you a thirty million dollar plane. Mm. and they give it to you and say okay take it to japan you know Mm. and yeah most people uh, who end up becoming pilots are so enthusiastic and so driven to Mm -hmm. become pilots that it's not really about about the the money Mm -hmm. or the i mean obviously you need money Mm -hmm. to survive and Mm -hmm. pay your bills and everything Mm -hmm. um but it's it's the job more than more than uh more than the benefits that, mm. that count. So that's the first thing. It's it's fun, you know. The moment, uh, even when I'm at home here and I hear a plane going overhead, you know, before I know it, I'm, I'm like looking <laughs> up. Yeah, it's just still the same as I was as a mm. as a five year old kid. You, let me tell you a funny story. Remember when we were growing up in Ibadan, we had all those small planes flying. Mm-hmm. Overhead, the mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the planes that went from Lagos to Ibadan. So yeah. I used I used to look up at them, and because they look so small, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I used to, I, uh, obviously it's uh, stupid now, but when you're five six years old, you're looking up and you're looking at the shape of the plane, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, how how can anybody be in that small thing, you know? And I'm thinking, oh, they're probably it's probably just one guy lying down. With his feet up at the back, <laughs> yeah, you know that you have to. Yeah. So those those kind that kind of childhood uh, thing, you know. When I look up at a plane now, I start imagining where's it going. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wonder what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Is it are they serving dinner or watching movies? So it's still it's still fascinating. Um, as far as the the sense of responsibility, yeah, obviously. Um, but with with the training you that becomes almost routine Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know uh, nobody has to tell you uh, oh you have uh, 400 people in the Mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. because everything you're trained to do has already taken into account Mm -hmm. that you have those 400 people so you have to be as safe as possible so just by, by by doing things, by following your standard procedures, um, you're already carrying out your responsibility to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not something that that um, automatically comes to mind. Mm-hmm. 
obviously as, as passengers, it, it becomes more uh, passenger comfort, mm-hmm. you know, um, trying to avoid turbulence, avoiding bad weather, trying to make the mm-hmm. flight as smooth as possible, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's more what's at the, at the front of your mind, um, rather than, oh man, I have all these people they're all relying on me, you know, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that, that, that's what you've been trained to do. So if you do it properly, then uh, you're, you're already carrying out your responsibility. You know, what's really interesting until that I, I didn't bear in mind is how much the plane is. You said 30 million pounds of better yeah, million dollars. Wow. Yeah, or, wow. More, or more. Wow. Yeah. And and in terms of countries, have you because there are 192 countries in the world, but how many have you flown to? Well, I haven't been counting. I haven't <laughs> been counting. Uh, but I've been to every continent except uh, Australia and Antarctica. Wow, wow! And uh, when so you when and when you arrive at these continents or countries, do you ever get a chance to go sightseeing? Or yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So you wow. Yeah. Uh, we we have to again from the aeromedical uh, perspective. Yeah. Uh, wherever you fly to, the law the, it's the worldwide law mm-hmm. is that you have to uh, have a rest period that's at least as long as the flight. Okay. Yeah. So that's to stop uh, you know unscrupulous uh, companies from making you fly twelve hours. Yeah, and then yeah, 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 yeah. After two hour two hour break, mm-hmm. you have to come back. You know, mm. um, and then obviously airlines have different um, different schedules. So mm-hmm. it's uh, some places you don't fly to every day. Some places are once a week. Okay. Yeah, for example, or twice a week. Mm. Uh, so if a flight was once a week. Um, Let's say, for example, uh, you flew to Sydney mm-hmm. and, and the airline flies once a week. Mm-hmm. You arrive in Sydney and then you need a, a, at least, that's a 22-hour flight or something, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need at least 22 hours rest uh, before you can fly back. Okay. Yeah. If the, if the airline keeps a plane on the ground for 22 hours, they're losing money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time a plane is on the ground, it's losing money. Uh, so for them, it's better to have another crew already in Sydney mm-hmm. that brings the plane straight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you stay in Sydney till the next plane comes into Sydney, which wow. could be a week later. Wow. So de facto, you have a week in Sydney. Wow. Yeah, so so the, the schedule varies from place to place. Um, uh, some places we have one night, like mm-hmm. in Lagos, mm-hmm. because we fly every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some places like Osaka, mm-hmm. we fly three times a week. So mm-hmm. I had two nights over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and normally, that would be time where you could go outside seeing and uh, do whatever you want, because it's free time. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your time. But with COVID now, every, everything has changed. In most places we fly to, you either have to stay in your room mm-hmm. uh, or you have to stay in the hotel. Okay. You, know, you can leave your room, but you can't leave the hotel. Okay, I can't leave the hotel. Uh, yeah, so we've gone now from all of us uh, 
wanting to spend as long as possible in all these places to us now wanting to get out as little time, <laughs> as, little time as possible you know? <laughs> so it's it's funny how uh, covid has changed the scenario know, it's, it's changed the whole scenario okay yeah, yeah. so i i remember seeing a and this is when i knew you became a pilot i remember seeing a photo of you with uh uh general Olusegun yeah, another person, your, your colleague president. My, my colleague president. So the question for me is, is when you're on the plane, are you told who the important dignitaries are? Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, we have a list. We have a list of all the passengers on, on the flight. Right. Okay. Um, so what was it like when you found out General Lushagin passenger was on your plane? Well, uh, I met him in London. Um, okay. I work for KLM, so okay. all my flights start and finish in Amsterdam. Okay. But it's my choice to live in London. So okay. I, I commute to work. Okay. You know, in the same way as somebody would commute from uh, Hemel Hempstead to okay. London. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I, I commute from uh, London to Amsterdam. Okay, before you catch the plane. Okay. Cool. Before then, fly then, the plane, I, yeah. then I fly the plane. So on London to Amsterdam, I go as a passenger. Mm -hmm. but in uniform mm -hmm. and uh, we don't have to pay for the tickets mm -hmm. it's free of charge mm -hmm. uh, so what happened on that particular day was um i uh, i got to the airport as usual and uh, uh checked in for the flight as a passenger right and then at the gate one of the, the people at the gate uh said to me oh the flight's going to be a little bit delayed um, because somebody has to come from the Queen's Lounge, right? The Queen's Lounge is a separate terminal at Heathrow uh, for VIPs, you know. Yeah, for I've, been, I've, been, I've been through it. I've been yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure Laughter <laughs> Republic has a permanent... Uh, <laughs> permanent current. Okay, so you know where I'm talking about. I'm talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so they said uh, some, some guy has to come from there, you know, uh, so we're, we're going to be about 10 minutes uh, delayed. Uh, and then the guy said to me as a joke, he said, yeah, you, you might know him. Uh, I can't even say the name, you know, and then I saw Olusha Mouvasongo. <laughs> I said to him, uh, that's, that's a former president. Uh, this was uh, at that time, uh, good luck, Jonathan was, was president. I said, oh, that's a former president of Nigeria. Are you sure? Mm. He said, yeah, uh, he said, I don't know the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, uh, okay, we'll see uh, when he when he comes on board, you know. Mm. Uh, so I went on the plane with VIPs. They they make them board last, okay, uh, uh, for security reasons and so they don't keep them waiting. You keep telling uh, me as if I don't know. I I know. Yeah, I, I, well, I know. But my, mine is true, my drone. Is, mine is true EasyJet. I, I've been through EasyJet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm telling your viewers, not you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Know, you, definitely. You, you know. You know the protocol. <laughs> um, so I I I sat down in in business class on a, on an aisle seat. You know. And then uh, in came uh, President Obasanjo and his uh, personal assistant, you know. Uh, and funnily enough, he sat across from me on the aisle, you know. Um, 
And then we took off. And then I was thinking, oh, should I say something to him or, or, or you know? Mm. Um, so uh, I said, uh, good, good afternoon, sir. Blah, 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 you know. And at that point, he didn't, he hadn't clocked that I was a, a Nigerian, you know. So I said to him, "Oh, are you are you traveling to to uh, Lagos?" And he said, "Yeah." And he said, "Oh, I'm going to be your pilot on the flight from from Lagos to from Amsterdam to Lagos." Mm. And then I introduced myself to him and said, "Oh, my name is Olumide Ayola." And then he said, ah, "Which which Ayola?" And I said, "Oh, uh, from Ibadan." And, and he said, "Oh, I know your dad." And, <laughs> And they also, your your pilot. Uh, oh, that's good. That's good. Then he said to me, oh, "We need people like you to come back to Nigeria." You know, <laughs> you know. Um, so I said to him, oh, "Okay, well, uh, we'll talk more about it on the, on the flight on the flight to to Lagos." Uh, yeah. So then we got to Amsterdam, and he went off again to the VIP lounge in Amsterdam, which I'm sure you know as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went off to to do the flight preparation. And then I told the rest of my colleagues, they, they already had a passenger list and it mm. just says VIP. Mm. And then I said to him, well, this is no ordinary VIP. This is the From ex-president of, yeah. Yeah, of, uh, of Nigeria. So they were all excited and, and looking forward to, to, to meeting him anyway. So we, we got on the flight to Lagos. Um, and at that point, they already knew who he was, and he was also very jolly and very mm-hmm. interactive, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nearly everybody on the flight to Lagos knew he was on, on board mm-hmm. at, at, the, at that point. Uh, so then there were people coming from uh, economy class to first class. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. During the flight, with proposals, with you know, say you uh, um, so the, the the senior cabin crew member came to me uh, and said, uh, the, "I don't know, may, is it okay to let people go to him, or should I stop them, or or whatever, you know?" Um, so I said, "Okay, I will ask him." You know, so I came out of the cockpit and went to him and said, uh, "Are you are these people disturbing you, or whatever?" And he said, no, no, let them come, let them come, you know. It's okay. Enjoys it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was obviously enjoying the, the adoration. And so that continued for about three hours. And then he had his dinner. Uh, and then he came into the galley, you know, and he was laughing and joking with the mm. stewardesses and, mm. and everything. Then he, one of the stewardesses came in and said, All right, Oh, he wants to talk to you, you know. So he came into the cockpit, and that's when we we took, took the, photograph. the photographs. You know? Yeah, yeah, and he, he kept us entertained for about two hours, you know, <laughs> talking. Yeah, it was a very, yeah, yeah, very, very enjoyable. Very so, yeah. um, uh, so your your plane is a, is it a Boeing plane? What what is it? Is it what plane? At that time, that was an Airbus, Airbus okay. 330, but I'm, now I'm on the Boeing. Uh, okay, dream. so excuse my ignorance. Uh, I don't know because I don't really have a plane, yeah. but um, Air Force One, can you yeah. fly Air Force One? Uh, Air Force One is a Boeing. Okay. Uh, it's a Boeing 747. Yeah. Um, so it's it's from the Boeing family. Okay. Um, uh, you're, if you ask me, I can fly. If you ask the regulatory authorities, 
I can't fly until I go on a course. We, okay. Uh, our licenses are specific to one airplane type. Okay. okay. Um, but the the underlying uh, theory and principles are the same. Are the same for all planes. So it's almost uh, like it's almost like um, saying you can drive a car, but you can't drive a truck because you need a different license. No, it's uh, it's like saying you can drive uh, a, a, a Nissan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, or you can drive a Nissan Micra, mm -hmm. um, but you can't drive a Mercedes. Okay. Yeah, because it's not just about the driving, the the the, the steering and the accelerator and the mm -hmm. brake. Mm -hmm. When when you drive a Nissan Micra, the way we fly planes, mm -hmm. yeah. You, you need to know everything about the micro, how the electric, how the electric circuits work, mm -hmm. how the fuel system works, how the mm -hmm. air conditioning works. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about the flying. You also have to know everything technically mm -hmm. about about the plane. So mm -hmm. that's why we're restricted to one one type. The flying itself, you know, the turning left, turning mm -hmm. right, climbing, descending. Mm -hmm. That's the same for all planes, but the systems are different. Mm. Um, so that uh, you're restricted to one type on your license at, at one time. Mm. You can move, you can switch from one type to another, but then you have to do, do a thing called a conversion course. Okay. Wow. You know, so when I switched from the Airbus to the Boeing, I had to do a conversion course. Uh, that's like two months. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So. Um, is your voice different talking to me compared to when you're on the plane? Because I, I have something I'd like you to do for me, if it's possible. Because <laughs> I have this dream that I am, you know, I'm on Air Force One or, or Bonjour Airlines, just like the Trump plane. Actually, I have designed a plane just like Donald the Trump. Logo. Yeah, yeah, logo and everything. And it, <laughs> people, some people actually think it's real. They think, they think of Bonjour Airlines. How, what's your what's your what's your 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 pilot voice? Is there is there a? Well, there, there's it, no it's pilot speaking, voice. It's just speaking to a microphone, isn't it? Yeah, it's the it's the speaker system that makes your voice sound different. Okay. But, but when 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 we speak, we it's the same uh, your normal voice. Um, okay. Obviously, you because you're you're speaking into a microphone, you have to mm. be quite. Uh, uh, you have to pronounce words carefully and, mm -hmm. and quite clearly. Okay, so you are the pilot of Laughter Republic Airlines. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we're on the plane. Welcome the passengers of Laughter Republic Airlines. Okay, and where are we flying to? Uh, you're flying to my country called Gagdad, state capital, from London to Gagdad. Gagdad. Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, then it would be somewhere like. Uh, uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome aboard this uh, Laughter Republic Boeing 777 to Gagdad in the Laughter Republic. The flight time is going to be about uh, three hours and 20 minutes, and uh, we expect a smooth flight for most of the route, except uh, just before landing when uh, there might be some turbulence due to strong winds. 
we'll uh, come back to you and give you an update uh, just before arrival. But in the meantime, please make yourselves comfortable. Hope you enjoy the flight and uh, would like to extend a special welcome on board today to our VIP passenger, the president of uh, Laughter Republic, President Obonjo. Happy to have you with us and uh, wish you a pleasant flight. <laughs> uh, I don't think you know what you've done to me with that. that yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get myself a plane. <laughs> Look, Olumide, it has been really fantastic uh, to talk to you. And I really uh, am really grateful for spending well over, I think you've beaten the record. We've spoken for well over one hour, 13 minutes. Just really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it doesn't feel like that. At Honestly, all. it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. feel like that. But look, it's been fascinating just hearing your story. And uh, I wish you well and continued success. I shall share this with uh, the GCI old boys. Who knows, maybe <laughs> maybe some of them will come. Maybe I'll be able to attract a doctor to, to come and talk yeah. to you. <laughs> Uh, a, yeah, I can recommend a few. Yeah, I recommend a few. Someone who has a, a sense of humor and will get it. But honest, on a serious note, because I know you've only just come back. And uh, so I'm really grateful for your time. And, yeah, thank uh, my you. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. And uh, you you owe me now a return. So I have to uh, interview you on my uh, video blog. I have to start a video blog. As no, well. no, honestly, it's really, it's, it's, this this uh, podcast started as a result of the pandemic. I had to find other ways of uh, getting my message across, but also just keeping in touch with people. And it's just really amazing how um, when I talk to people, because it's not scripted, as you know, we just it's just free flowing. And the things that people mm -hmm. tell me, you you know, I told you about Dele now. You you, you heard Dele's yeah. story. I didn't yeah. even know yeah. Dele's father was assassinated. But he shared it with me on that day and we just went on and how we met fella there are really some really interesting stories to hear you know and you don't have yeah, to be, yeah. you don't have to be a celebrity for me uh the title of this podcast has to be chasing your dreams it has to be about chasing your dreams it's about you know resilience it's about believing that you you will meet that dream no matter whatever your parents say and and if it's yeah. your calling it will happen yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because you you had obstacles along the way, your parents not supporting you, your eyesight, the funding. But you know, God made a way one way or the other. And look at you, you exactly. got it. And, exactly. and for me, I'm hoping that it will inspire other people who listen to this to say, because as far as I'm concerned, even though we are over 50, uh, people can still chase their dreams. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? You know, they still can chase their dreams. It's not a case of uh, Moses uh, who who didn't get to the promised land. You just have to keep at it. And I know there are lots of people who still want to do things. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they still are thinking about and are saying, oh, maybe I'm too old now. Maybe there, there's not. Yeah, you know, because so far you yeah. have, so far you still have life. And yeah, you're, exactly. you're sick and life and kicking. I don't see any reason why you can't explore those things. No, I agree with you completely. And like I mentioned, uh, there's there's the 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 risk sometimes puts people off you know and my advice would be you only live once you know take the risk take the risk if it doesn't work out at least you tried you ah, know? only me day. You there's, know, there's, a, there's a saying i think there's a saying that i rather i don't know who said it i'm trying to remember it's better to die to try dying than not yeah. to try at all yeah exactly it's better to find your voice 
but yeah. I have a voice. You know, those things yeah. are really, really important. And you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Because now, you know, I, almost every week I come across somebody who says, ah, you know what? And I wanted to be a pilot too, or, you know? Um, and to me, it, it doesn't really resonate, you know? Um, if, if somebody said to me, ah, you know, I wanted to be a pilot, I went to the flying school, mm. but I didn't have the money for it, then I think uh, at least you tried, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but there's no point uh, a, a doctor saying to me, ah, you know, I wanted to be a pilot or, you know? Mm. I'm like, okay, yeah, so what do you want me to say? Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry or congratulations or, or what, you know? If you wanted to do it, uh, then either tell me you tried, but didn't succeed mm -hmm. or just saying i wanted to do it yeah i i, I wanted to go to the moon you know mm -hmm. it, it's not really um <laughs> yeah yeah so my, my final question to you because i was going to end it but you you raised a very important point oh. about chasing your dreams but just very briefly is it too late for anyone over a certain age to want to become a pilot is there a, a, a qualifying age limit no, there's no there's no qualifying age limit. Um, the upper age limit is uh, I think sixty five. Wow. Yeah, but you uh, well let let me let me qualify that. There's no age limit to getting a pilot's license mm -hmm. uh, up until sixty five. Over mm -hmm. sixty five is possible mm -hmm. if you can get the medical. We we are not apart from the flying license. We have medical checks every year, okay. which you have to pass. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the risks of the profession is that you're you're only guaranteed your job on your profession until your next medical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you might go for medical and they find something and mm -hmm. they say, "Oh, sorry, that's it." You know, so it could it could end abruptly. You can't uh, you don't take it for granted. Yep. You know, you go. You go year to year. Um, so 65 is the official age limit yeah. um, for getting a license. That's one thing. The more difficult thing is the possibility of getting hired by a company, yeah, which decreases as your age goes up. Mm. Yeah. Because, uh, like I mentioned to you, the basic training costs about a hundred thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. After the airline employs you, they then have to train you on that specific Nissan Micra, mm. yeah, or mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm, type, mm -hmm. of, type of plane it is. Mm -hmm. So that's another two or three months of training in a simulator that costs 10 million pounds or mm -hmm. whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So they're investing a lot of money in, in, in training mm -hmm. you, right? And they do that with the long-term view that you're going to return that investment by mm. being a pilot for them for the next mm. 20 years, 25 mm. years. Um, so if you turn up as a 60 year old, you know, uh, there are very few companies that are going to invest that amount in you, mm -hmm. knowing that in five years you have to retire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, in terms of flying, getting a license, flying small planes doing it for fun for for recreation the age 
age limit is your retirement age. Okay. Yeah. Um, and not not everybody has to be an airline pilot, you know. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the I had so much fun flying before as an airline pilot. Like I told you, mm -hmm. I used to take days off work mm -hmm. and fly to Paris, mm -hmm. to, to France. Mm -hmm. uh, take uh, I took uh, a friend of ours, mm -hmm. Jima. Mm -hmm. uh, I took him flying mm -hmm. uh, to that Newcastle mm -hmm. GCI OBA mm -hmm. meeting, you know. Mm. I used to take guys, you know, and say, mm. oh, let's let's fly here, let's fly mm. there. You know, that's also fun. Even now, when we fly to uh, the Caribbean, for example, mm. and we have to stay there four days, you know, uh, we rent a small plane and fly from island to island. Mm -hmm. um, I, I went with a, a friend of mine. We flew um, all around the USA, mm -hmm. just the two of us in a, in a small uh, Cessna. Uh, we spent two weeks just flying from city to city, Grand Canyon to Las Vegas to Houston to Bermuda, you know, everywhere. So that, that's fun as well. Um, it's not only airline flying, there's all kinds of, of flying that's, that's fun. And uh, so I could, I, mean, I, could, I could get a license and get a you, small plane, name it Obonjo, and you know. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And then fly it around your estate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. look, look, I've taken a lot of your time. Uh, no, no. Thank you so much. Um, viewers and listeners, this has been a fantastic uh, podcast interview. I have thoroughly enjoyed myself catching up with my old schoolmate. And he's given me an idea that I should also chat with some of my other old schoolmates with different uh, professions. I know I probably would get a doctor because, you know, I, I need, I, well, we can learn some things about, you know, yeah, yeah. as well. So it's a good way. So Olumide, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And Oshie Gaunt, thank you so much. Thank you, President. Thank you. Thank I'm you. loyal. I'm okay. loyal. Thank you. <laughs>